Good evening, alien shapeshifters from beyond the moon, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. Kit, would you mind telling us just a little bit more about the American Friend Institute? The American Friend Institute is an organization that honors the heritage of the motion picture arts. We produce educational podcasts about film, including Adam Sandler, A Life in Pictures, and have curated a jury-selected list of the 100 greatest films of all time. The American Friend Institute was founded out of our mutual disgust that The Exorcist was not on the American Film Institute's list of the 100 greatest movies. It's also not on our list because no one nominated it. I think we all probably thought someone else would do it. So, no Exorcist, but Tommy Boy did squeak in at number 100. The American Friend Institute, the only organization for cinema excellence that thinks Doug Lyman's Go is a better movie than Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but they're both on the list, and that's what matters. Yeah. All right. I am your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends and co-hosts, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we are kicking off Mike's Out of This World triple feature with 1989's Communion, uh, directed by Felipe Mora, written by Whitley Strieber or Stryber, I don't remember, and uh, starring Christopher Walken and Lindsay Krause. Hold up um, a second. Is okay. this movie meant to be autobiographical? Yes. Well, yeah, we can get into that. I've actually got quite a few notes. I knew nothing. I and honestly, okay. I forgot what your triple was, and while I was like when I popped this movie in, so uh-huh. I was just like, "What the." F- fuck am i watching i i didn't i titled because i didn't know what it was going to be called so so i was just like aliens i guess because like i was wasn't sure if it i I haven't seen like communion doesn't actually sound like it's going to be about aliens so yeah i didn't know there were aliens in this movie until i saw aliens yeah and yeah well that's cool though i mean i think that that means we're all going in with different uh well different amounts of knowledge and maybe we'll um I, i i guess while we're talking about the triple feature this triple feature will consist of uh, Communion, which is today's film. And then next week, we're going to do Invaders from Mars. The I think it's 1953 version, uh, the U.S. cut of that film, which that's the one I've been wanting to share with you guys for quite a while. And then the week after that, we are going to do Night Beast, which is um, I know that you guys don't like, you know, quote unquote, bad movies like I do. But Night Beast is one that I think, I mean, I think you both do have appreciations here and there for those types of movies. Some of those movies can be just kind of a slog. Night Beast is one that I think is one that everybody will get a kick out of. I hope. But we'll find out, won't we? (laughs) Anyways. I consider uh, myself to be a bit of a Night (laughs) Beast. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I got two entry questions for this rather than just the have you seen it before, uh, which is usually how we start. But uh, from each of you, I was curious, uh, had you seen the film before? And then also, (laughs) where do you personally land on like aliens and UFOs and things of that nature? So uh, who wants to kick us off? Um, Where? Okay. No, I had not seen this movie. Okay. Or heard of it. I think I've seen. Now that I finished it, I think I've seen like Giffy's of oh, yeah. certain things in this movie that are just like, what the fuck? Um, and then where do I land on? What do you mean? Do you mean like you personally, do you think that aliens are out there or have they come to see us? I think are, are there are UFOs? I think uh, it's like a terrestrial. Isn't it just like a mathematical certainty that there are aliens? Like, isn't that, isn't that where we, I land? think it's, 
I mean, I think it's at least like got to be probable. Do you think that they have come to planet Earth to uh, probe our anuses or where do you land on that? <sighs> um, I think where I land on it is I hope yes, but I think no. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. But yeah, I figured that would also that would provide good context for our conversation as to mm-hmm. how uh, out there this movie is to us. Kit, uh, had you seen Communion before? No, and I had <laughs> not heard of it. Um, and as far as aliens, I mean, I think, yes, they definitely exist. I, the same mathematical odds that ensure their existence also tend to ensure that they haven't been here. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I will say, so at least who knows what the, what the truth behind this lore is, but supposedly my grandfather, who was in the Air Force, worked for Project Blue Book. Um, now, and, quick quick question. Is, is that the same project that determines the value of a used car? Yeah, <laughs> it, they, it evolved into that. When they weren't okay. finding enough aliens, <laughs> they just kind of transitioned. That makes sense. Um, That's good pivoting. Yeah. Um, so... You know, and my dad, I mean, there's a lot that's like, I think, unknown about what my what my grandpa actually did, because my my dad will talk about how there was a period of time where he would come home from work in a mechanics uniform and he was not a mechanic. So, like, why was that happening? And um, he didn't talk about a lot of what he did. But suppose so my aunt told that told me this after he died um, that one time she said to him. So, Papa, do you, I mean, are there aliens? Do you believe in aliens? And he was like, oh, yeah. And he was, like, the least fun person on the planet. <laughs> so, so for him uh, to say that makes me think, huh, okay. <laughs> like, that's strange. Um, yeah, he seemed to give some credence to, like, UFOs and that kind of stuff. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. What about you, so Mike? I can't have, couldn't have him on the episode. <laughs> um, I had not seen the film before. I really, I think weirdly this movie is like kind of like very obscure. Uh, I feel like with there's like Fire in the Sky is a very famous alien abduction film from the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, it's a good movie. It's mostly noteworthy, I think, for the abduction sequence in that. Um, and I can see why this one doesn't pop up as often, but I'm kind of surprised it's not more commonly talked about there aren't very um, many yeah it, yeah there's it seems like there would be more like just because there's i think there are alien horror films but, yeah, but there's not, not a lot like of like this, not abduction this stories. yeah not this kind yeah. of movie where it's like a movie about sort of you know other people's firsthand accounts of what <laughs> happened you know what i mean like this type right. of, like this feels very much like uh like a sightings episode or a unsolved mysteries episode, like that I, kind yeah. of story. Mm-hmm. I think that the comparison to X Files that Mike made in the email about the triple is like spot on. Sure. Like to me, this felt like if this was an X Files episode, <clears throat> like the settings, everything, like the it's just the way it looked, it really felt X Filesy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except I do think. <laughs> There might it might have been a little scarier and more restrained in the hands of the X Files people, <laughs> but in in the way that it was like both dramatizing this experience, but also like taking it very seriously, and almost felt like it was made to be affirming for people who had 
had that kind of experience. Like that felt very X Files to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just like the spooky woods and yeah, like everything really. Um, but yeah, and then I guess as for where I land on aliens and UFOs, um, I've always been afraid of aliens. Like ever since I was a kid, because I was a kid like in the '90s when I feel like aliens were sort of everywhere. Like there was like Independence Day, uh, the arrival, Mars attacks. Mars attacks. Yeah, there was just like this wave. X-Files. I mean, and X-Files. Yeah, I think it, a lot of it came from... The guy on that shirt. Like the, the guy on the tie-dyed shirt. Yeah. Also, all of those Fox, like, ro- like alien um, autopsy shows. Roswell. Right. I don't know when that show yeah. came out, but Roswell. That was the O's. But okay. I mean, yeah. That, um, or maybe it was the late 90s. It could have been. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, there was just like this real kind of wave in the pop culture of alien stuff and like paranoia and all that. Anyways, so I was always been I've always been scared of aliens like ever since I was a kid. I remember like I remember both at various points being afraid. My my room was like an old attic and so like a converted attic. And so like um the windows kind of stuck out and the bed like went into the window and I remember being afraid that aliens were going to take me through my window out the front. And then I also remember we had some neighbors move in when I was like like maybe upper elementary school. So I was kind of old. I mean, for this, but I remember like something happened. I used to cat sit for them and something happened where I thought that they were just posing as humans. Like they were aliens that were here to like pose as humans and like learn about us or something. So Are these the old I, people? No, they, uh, they lived down. It was, it was basically a single mom and her two kids mm. and they were perfectly nice. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just became convinced that the ki- they were all aliens. And like, I was always very like uncomfortable around them. Not always. I've been, I think I kind of grew out of it by middle school because I would like babysit and stuff. But or I don't even know why I was over there. I think I was babysitting him. He wasn't that much younger. But anyways, uh, but yeah, I think I think they probably exist. Like we talked about, it just seems probable that aliens are out there somewhere of some some kind of life, you know, single cell or more developed. And then as far as like the UFOs and like Roswell and all the government cover up stuff, um, I'll go 50 50 on that. Seems like <laughs> seems like it there yeah seems like a maybe but uh but i've never like seen anything or had any weird experiences of that kind myself i also think that there's probably a lot more merit to which we can get into as we discuss the film but just the idea of like uh like interdimensional interdimensional entities of some kind or just some sort of like uh psychological phenomenon where people are having similar mental episodes where they're they're uh like a waking dream kind of thing or something like that. It is it is interesting how this stuff has kind of you know been ingested by the culture um because it sort of has the same amount of uh legitimacy as like the uh big bigfoot photos and stuff, you know what I'm talking about? Um yeah. but it seems to have like really especially in like 70s and 80s and 90s. like I was just watching the Heaven's Gate documentary on uh yeah. HBO and it seems like such a just I I feel like I understand why people would be so receptive to like that imagery and like those ideas um I don't know. It's it, it's just it's in, it's it's interesting because but it's still this it's still, you know, as tangible as lo- as the Loch Ness monster or I don't know. 
Bigfoot and all that stuff, but it seems yeah. it seems like people have kind of like accepted, you know, uh, plates being thrown in the air and uh, grainy photos uh, snapped of them right. as UFOs. Well, there have been videos of like literal unidentified flying objects, right. and whether or not they're extraterrestrial. That's what's still disputed. But yeah. yeah, as far as like actual alien creatures, that is all still kind of in the realm think- of like Bigfoot and. I think it's so much more likely with UFOs that they are either misinterpretations or experimental aircraft that yeah. the government would be happy to let people think is aliens. Right. For sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. So that's a uh, little, little alien chat before we get into the film here. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, but it is, it is like UFO conspiracy theory and stuff is like, like still huge yeah i don't think it's as mainstream though i feel like it's more of like a niche like youtube internet we got a we got a big old we got a we got a rock star who quit his band so that he can focus all of his time to uh the ufo shit and right but just in terms of like the movies and the tv shows yeah i think if you were to pitch like a supernatural tv show today it wouldn't be it still wouldn't be aliens it would be like ghosts or some shit yeah, but maybe aliens are due for a comeback. Mm-hmm. I don't really. I, I do kind of wonder what, like, let's say it was. Let's say aliens aren't real. What was the cultural sentiment behind the alien craze of the '90s, like, or even like late '80s and '90s? Like, why were people so receptive all of a sudden to this idea of I don't little know, green raves? men? So, was that raves? The beginning of the internet, maybe people can talk, yeah. like, connect about it. Yeah, that could be. The, I mean, so much of the early internet was just like super weird shit. Yeah, it used to be good. Now it sucks ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the with the the Heaven's Gate stuff, it seemed like people were sort of looking to that stuff as like a way to like just like to to sort of explain you know the Bible and stuff. So I I could kind of understand people getting to a point where it's just where they need some sort of explanation and it's like here's this convenient thing coming in the form of you know grainy photos and and yeah you know stories folklore that kind of stuff so it's i don't know i kind of from that perspective i think it makes a lot of sense i think yeah there could be like so heaven's gate was a spin-off of christian religion Mm -hmm. but there could also just be within like the secular culture like like the thing with the X-File, like the truth is out there or like even just the idea, like there is something else out there. So there are maybe benevolent entities out there or that just there's more than just like us on this, you know, rock. I was uh, That made me think about like Waco and Ruby Ridge and stuff like that of like because yeah. alien conspiracy tends to be as much about mistrust of the government as it is about aliens. Yeah. You know, and men and like. A lot of like X Files and Men in Black and stuff are kind of as much about how much the government is lying to us. Yeah, and I don't know. I wonder if some of yeah, that's a good point. Those kinds of things have to do with yeah, that. that's a really good point. Yeah, but yeah, okay, well, cool. So for the film, uh, let's see who went first. I think Andrew went first on the first question. So Kit, what were what are your thoughts on the film? Or just your first um, takeaway? 
Well, okay, here's a weird thing. So, like, I had no idea what this movie was. So I did look okay. at the Wikipedia, and I was as as I was starting it, I was like, what was the critical reception of this, Mike? <laughs> and then I looked, and, like, the only thing it said was um, it received negative reviews, and then it, that, that, that it because of Walken's performance, like it basically singled out Walken as the reason this movie was slammed, and mm-hmm. it said that the author, like who wrote the movie, which is that's according to what you said, he wrote the screenplay. Yeah, which it seems weird that he would blame Walken that much for his portrayal of him when like he wrote the movie. Right. Um. So, but on that, real quick, yeah. he apparently his complaint was that there were like scenes of like improvisational dialogue that were included mm-hmm. that he felt were away from the actual character mm-hmm. of the story. So that's, sure. that's all I know about his actual complaint of the movie, but yeah, go ahead. But I think Walken is delightful in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, and it's certainly if, he, if it wasn't him in this role, I think it, I would have disliked the movie a lot more. Okay. Um, I thought he was very fun to watch as usual. <laughs> um, and not just because, like, Walken is, there are things to Walken that are like Nicolas Cage, where yes. they're just like, they don't care. But I think they're very different in the sense that, to me, I think Walken is doing what he does to seem more like a real specific guy. Whereas Nicolas Cage, I think, is doing it because he knows he's in a movie and movies don't have to be like real life. But I felt like the things that Walken was doing made that character feel like a real person to me. He felt like a real dad. He felt like a real writer. And that's partially because he was such a weirdo. Um, You know? And so I, so I, I thought I really enjoyed him in the movie. Um, I also, I don't know if I can say that I liked the movie, but the parts of it that were, there were parts of it that were really good. And I kind of wish they had been, they had been more restrained as usual. I wish they just hadn't shown the aliens at all. Even though I liked the reveal at the end of the like thing. Cause I was watching, it's just like, Jesus, these aliens look horrible they look so shitty and that one shot of like the toy kind of levitating in his room yeah that was so much scarier and cooler and the part where he there's the part where he's going through the house and he sees the bear in the closet that has the big eyes and you recognize oh that's reminding him of the aliens and then he's in the basement and there's the shafts of light coming through the windows and you're like that's reminding him of and then when he's anyway like all that stuff was so good and very like stephen king-esque i felt yeah. But when they and the setting of the cabin's very like uh overlooky as well. Um but those aliens looked like such shit. And I think there could be reasons behind it. Like I started to think, okay, maybe this is trying to lend somehow either either that's telling us that this isn't real and it's his mind and so he's picturing like the classic little gray men. He's picturing these kind of like Star Wars looking guys. He's picturing giant bugs like from 50s sci-fi. Um, or that the aliens are sort of t- adopting that form because they're fucking with him. Right. Um, which is, that's interesting, but it still made the movie much less scary that that was what he was so afraid of. Because what I what I connect to about this movie 
what I think works about it is the idea that it's a very frightening idea that you would have all the trauma of having experienced this thing without remembering what happened to you. Yeah. Like that's a very scary and tragic idea that he's having all of the negative consequences and the like fear and anxiety of having experienced this, but he doesn't remember it and he doesn't know if it really happened. That's very scary. And I think the movie at times does a really good job of exploring the horror of that. But then whatever showing the aliens and showing the scenes of his abduction and and everything in such a like stark light where you're though it's not like maybe if you were to fragment it more and just like show us close-ups or like flashes of things but it really feels like i'm being allowed to see (laughs) the entirety of what unfolded here that really um made it a less frightening movie and so those parts i didn't like it's definitely not scary and i and 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 that's why and i but I, I gave up on it being scary pretty quickly. Um, and there's something, I don't think it's good, but there's something compelling about the aliens looking that bad and Christopher Walken still fully committing to the role. There's something about, like, we're, you know, we're in a, a mostly pretty professional even though it's an indie movie and pretty low budget i'm guessing uh it still looks like it's made by people who make movies and then you get to that portion and it looks like low budget star trek like even lower budget than star Mm. trek and it's just like but he is still like fully there for it and there's something there's mm -hmm. something that i like about that i think I think the whole time that was happening, the movie was good enough that I was like, maybe there's a point to it looking this bad. And then there kind of was at the end. There was a point to the aliens looking that bad. It just still, you know, the shots of him with just like their, the masks near him, like, that was kind of brilliant. Like, but it still meant that I had to be scared supposedly scared of these like really really like really shitty looking <laughs> aliens yeah um like like almost like troll 2 level of oh yeah they're bad costume like really bad i do think i do think when we got to the actual like him actually remembering the full abduction and the probing and all of that i did find that not scary, but just extremely unsettling. Yeah. Um, to the to the point. Yeah, I it that even though it looks like shit, it's still what is happening is it is scary. I think. Yeah. Um, it I did. Think... It reminded me. I mean, it essentially felt like I'm watching like date rape or something. I mean, it was really really troubling stuff. <laughs> I feel like maybe that's funny to hear because like I that was the point where I was like, okay, this is jump the shark. Like this is not good anymore. Um, I felt like I could have gone for another 45 minutes at that point. But (laughs) it was funny because my note on that was like, (laughs) 
we all know that that thing is going in his ass. <laughs> and that that's yeah. what a man always means in any piece of media when he says they did terrible things to me <laughs> to me yeah, it means right. something went in his ass <laughs> and so to actually like see it mm. plan i'm like duh and then but then it's funny to hear like <laughs> to hear you say andrew like no that was very unsettling <laughs> 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 like, okay maybe that works differently for <laughs> so <laughs> like that's what guys are most afraid of <laughs> For that scene specifically, I actually laughed. I, I I did find it scary and unsettling, just the whole atmosphere of everything. But I laughed when they pull out like the little tube that they're gonna shove up his ass, and he goes, "Can we talk this over? It looks like you're gonna sing White Christmas." Oh yeah, I see, that's funny. It I is agree. funny. Yeah, I yeah. think that was funny. I like those lines, but what it's not is scary. Like it's it's right. It don't. I don't know that <laughs> no. it wants to be. Actually, so uh, then the next thing I wanted to say, though, so the final encounter that he has with them when he goes back like out high fiving them and dancing with them. Yeah. See, this is the thing, though. I um, I think that. I don't know if Whitley Strieber knows this, but if this isn't just something that he made up because he was a novelist, he wrote horror novels. Um, if this isn't something he just made up, I think that he probably had a mental episode a psychotic episode of some kind and i think it's interesting because that final scene he's literally talking to himself like the magician Mm -hmm. you know slash trickster version of himself he's having this back and forth with and it goes from like oh it's scary he's entering the ship you know here they are again what's gonna happen and then they're dancing and it's like weird silly music and you're like well this is weird. And I, and mm-hmm. I, my, my second thought was like, Kit and Andrew are going to hate me after this. But then it gets back into being kind of eerie and ominous because it's like, he's like arguing. And he says like, show me what you really look like. And he pulls the mask off and there's that kind of like reptile. That was great. Well, but then he says like, no, I don't believe this. I don't buy that mm-hmm. either. This is just, what did he call it? Like a nesting doll or something? Yeah. yeah. A Chinese okay. box. Chinese box. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then he's uh, like, He's he so to me it's like he knows like so what I think might be happening is that he's having a psychotic break he's maybe maybe he's just having a mental maybe he has was born with mental illness maybe he's just having stress from not being able to come up with a book or life or whatever is just getting to him and so he has this thing happen to him and like um you can see like you're talking about the creatures the aliens look so and he, I guess in the book he never calls them aliens he calls them uh. I wrote it down visitors. So whatever these things are like, I think it's like his, it's like in a dream where like your brain pulls something out that like Mm -hmm. from your memory or from the periphery. And like, that's, that's what the dark, scary thing is in your dream. That's chasing you or trying to kill you. And then you, that's the other way to see when he's like looking at the bear or in the basement that like, Oh, is that where he is is that reminding him of his abduction experience or is that yeah. why he dreamed about an abduction experience? Right. So those are called synchronicities and those. So like and that's kind of like a thing. And like one thing I noticed, like that made me think like maybe the director, who apparently is a friend of Streber, like maybe he has suspicions about Streber that Streber doesn't even have about himself. The when he gets hypno- when Walken uh, Streber gets hypnotized the first time, the hypnotist holds her finger up in the exact mm-hmm. same manner that the yes. alien holds the wand up to his head the first time. And so and I'm the thinking door, like, there's the door in her office yeah. that gets blown open. Yeah, yeah. And so there's just like there's all these little things, and then even like 
There was another one where he's wearing like the little elephant snout for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the creatures have some of the little doctor right. creatures have snouts similar to that. And so I'm like, I wonder if he's kind of like trying to thread these like synchronicities through here to show that this is like a mental event that is pulling from the imagination of Streber. That's interesting. Um, I would say but, that the text of the movie also very, very quickly Early on in the movie, they establish three other characters in the movie as having an experience. Right. So it's That's like true. And and I thought which which I thought was interesting, but then as as the movie continued, it felt kind of like a hindrance. Yeah. Um yes. so I, I sort I of agree. I, I appreciated like when they did it, when they established the the other couple and the son, son less so, because I feel like it's a child, so you can kind of like story wise you can you can work that in and out, but having another adult couple, it's like okay, so we're we're kind of setting my suspension of disbelief at a certain level here, um, right. and then yeah, they just kind of drop those characters from the movie for most of it, so that they don't have to address the fact that he's not the only one who's had this some sort of experience. But it's like right. his experience and his son's. It's like there's so many threads that come together very comfortably at the very beginning of the movie and then they all kind of splay and separate yes. and we're just following Whitley and it's like but there's all this other stuff yeah. that contextualizes I, this yeah. and the way and the way his wife should be reacting to him I think ought to be mm-hmm. colored by those things and it's just ignored until it's convenient again I totally agree yeah it like increasingly seemed like a dream over the course yeah of the movie even though in the beginning we get confirmation that something, well, what feels like confirmation that something happened. Right. And I, I mean, what I wrote is like, we needed a lot. I feel like we need, the pacing was very off where we needed a lot more time of him not being sure if he was like crazy or it was aliens. Um, we needed more time between the white before like right it's almost right after he confesses to his wife like hey um i think i might have been abducted you know or i'm insane um and then almost right after that she's talking to their son and the son is like i saw the exact same thing as dad (laughs) and it's like well i would like to see her wrestle a little bit with like oh my husband might be insane before like it just the movie made it seem like there was no out for it not to be aliens. But right. then the whole movie is like, is it aliens or not? It's like, right. well, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. like, I agree. There, there are good ideas for a movie in here. Like, Oh yeah. Th- like, like, um, the strain of some, of, of an event like this on a marriage yes. and, and, and how it's polluting their son. Good idea. Um, a you know the the umpteenth uh dozen uh version of a movie where something happens to somebody and nobody believes him um mm-hmm. and so he does th- so it's and neither does the audience necessarily um there's like those types of movies also um, like i kind of thought like mike you you were saying he you think it might be like a mental break i was like maybe because it was reminding me of stephen king so much i was like this almost seems like a metaphor for alcoholism because he's like oh yeah worried that he's passed it on to his son and i'm like well that right. doesn't sound like something that would happen with <laughs> aliens um 
and you know he's a writer and he like all these so that's that's a movie where there's like <laughs> just kind of like a Spielbergy metaphor for a supernatural yeah metaphor for a real life problem th- through like the supernatural yeah um and all those different parts have really good things i thought i i thought i really liked the kid in this oh um, i hated the kid I really liked him. I I thought he had some very spooky lines, like where he said to he said, "Can I dream Dad's dreams?" Like I'm like, that's a great line. I loved when he yeah. when Walken is at the end and he seems to flash back to himself as a kid, and he's like looking up at the sky, and his little friend says something like, "What is it, Wit?" And that's the voice of his son yeah. saying that. Like I'm like, that's fucking like that's awesome. The scene where um he almost shoots her and they're like she's like realizing what ha- she's like in shock and you see tears rolling down her face and yeah, then walking starts crying i'm like this is great. awesome yeah acting yeah. it's really good and it's a really good like that's a very good like dramatic crisis that moment mm-hmm. um feels very it felt very earned the fact that he would just be firing a gun in their house and the and he didn't mean to hurt her but he thinks he's prote- like that was great um it makes me I think, think of like too people, many things. It makes me think of people who like, you know, like the you you're, you have somebody who like develops some sort of like severe mental illness. I don't know. It yes. felt it felt very totally. very realistic, very very tangible. Um, yeah, I think the focus on the marriage and, and, and everything was that was probably the most interesting angle for me. And that's great. That's really good for a horror movie. I think mm-hmm. to be able to have the like supernatural crazy things be scary which not the aliens weren't but i think some of his like nightmare experiences and him being so paranoid right like that all was working right to have that be scary but then to also have the domestic things like like you're saying her sitting there realizing like oh my husband just might have become insane like that's very scary as well, and when those things come together, it's like that's, I mean, that's what The Shining is. Like that, it's like, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's just too much of him like high fiving Jawas or whatever <laughs> for, for me to <laughs> to really like it. Yeah, no, I think those are all. That's all. Those are good observations. I think I would agree that um, the focus on Walken's character to the exclusion of his son, the couple that they were with before his wife, like, I mean, cause his wife goes under hypnosis and she ha- apparently has memories yeah. of yeah. the same situation. <laughs> so that all, I think it works against what would make a good movie. And it also works against the theory that he's just having a mental breakdown. So but it leaves it's also you very like, confused. That could be the horror of motherhood because if like Mike or fatherhood or whatever, like if, like if you just woke up to the sound of your son screaming because he was having a nightmare, yeah. maybe if you were put under hypnosis, you'd be like, maybe that was like a traumatic memory for her, regardless of whether it meant he was being abducted by aliens. Yeah. All good. Yeah. It just doesn't quite pull together into a full feeling. And I think the story. because it doesn't pull together, I think that's why I'm okay with Christopher Walken dancing with aliens at the end, because it's like, well, yeah. Nothing really, nothing really landed here. So it's like we may as well just like have a party at the end, I guess. Yeah. So just like that imagery is so 
so weird and also just like things that don't matter to the movie but matter to me personally are just like oh anytime i get to see christopher walken dance that's nice dance i know i was thinking the it's same like, thing i love when he does a little has, tap dance it it does it has no bearing on this movie other than to hurt it but it's like well if this is where we're at i may as well get to see this i i think that that was connected to when he goes to the support group and that woman says the only thing you can do is face it. I think she says, mm, yeah. Okay. And then like the next thing he does is like put on a really fancy suit and go purposefully try to meet the aliens and then talk face to face with himself and party with them. Yeah. <laughs> so it does feel like he is like reconciling something. Um, what do you make of uh, that scene there? The support uh, support group scene. I thought it was weird because it felt like people it all it just felt like giving voice to like real people in a way like it was like here is 10 minutes of the movie where we just like let abductees talk about (laughs) how how horrible it is not to be believed and then I didn't really understand their reaction to that. I don't know if the fact that they left was them kind of saying like, oh, this is not what's going on with us. Yeah. 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 I was kind of confused by it, too, because like he didn't seem at all relieved to be having uh, an experience that these people shared with him. He he seemed kind of like put off by them. He seemed confused by what they were saying, even when it kind of matched what he had experienced. I thought it was strange. Yeah. Well, it was more examples of like, hey, here's like now there's like 12 other people who are affirming yeah. <laughs> what's happened to you. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm like, is that the re- moment he realized, oh, this isn't what I've been experiencing or was he not? I don't know. And she's the one who says, let's, I want to leave. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then the movie would not end. Yeah. Yeah. I it was watching it. I was watching it at uh, 1.5 speed from about the which i never do but i was also running out of time um and then <laughs> and then the last like 15 minutes i watched it uh, it was like double time i was like i gotta get through this yeah well then there's that weird scene where they're like kind of they're in the museum and they're like sort of talking to the camera about like i don't know what it was you saw but it could have been the face of god or like things like that i was like this we easily could have trimmed all this out of here true um, but i liked i was very proud of myself for recognizing an ed ruche i've never seen before and <laughs> knowing and figuring out that that was the Whitney and even though yeah so I did like looking at all the art in that scene but it's definitely like it's definitely purposeful like those moments where they're like talking to the camera in front of the paintings it's like at least I feel like choices are being made mm -hmm. and it's not just shitty on accident it's like they're trying something yeah 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 and I guess I think um I was expecting this to be more of a horror film and then as it went on I realized it was not it's just a weird film. Like it's, it's just, that's, you know, yeah. What it is. I, I think that I think it, it's such a, it's hard. I think to be a scary movie, to be a good scary movie. And because like, that's harder, I think than being a weird movie. Um, so when they were kind of on the cusp of like pulling off a scary movie, I was like, yeah. keep going, like hold yeah. on. And then they kind of just leaned into like being a weird movie instead. Yeah. yeah. And I still think it was like it was worth watching and like sort of 
enjoyable. Um, but I wish that they had just been able to maintain the scary movie that I thought yeah. it was going to be in well, the first like 20 minutes. And the trick with that is, so there's all of the material in here for a great scary movie. But mm-hmm. if this is about a guy trying to relate his true, his, his, what he says is a true experience, then it's like, well, I guess this is what happened. I guess this is the way I have to, they would have to do it. But it is, I had the same frustration. Where I was like, Ooh, this would be, this would probably be like the best alien encounter movie. Yeah. There is something, <laughs> there's something really interesting and this is not very nice maybe, but I think a lot of, you know, there's definitely a stereotype of a UFO abductee, right? It's right. usually some redneck or something like that. And uh, and usually they're seen as like not very reliable sources or whatever. Um, so there's something that appeal, like, you know, that sort of appeals uh, to, you know, educated elites here where it's like, oh, this is not some like farmer. Oh, you for know? sure. This is a New York elite. This is a pretentious, you know, these are... These are hoity-toity writer, artists, mm-hmm. whatever types, and like, and they're getting abducted by aliens. So that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and scary because so, it's like that's more like, oh, this person's like a real person, you know. This person's like smart and you know, and would would like know, yeah, they would know the difference between a a flying hubcap I mean, and a UFO. X Files right. is my favorite show of all time, and that's basically X Files is just like let's give you like reliable people mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> experiencing these things who you have like empathy for and like <laughs> let's try to make you believe that this shit is real Which, um to be clear neither of you are saying we don't find people no, in the sticks it's reliable the way that or it's more I yeah, 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 yeah. is the way that they portray <laughs> the, the, the way that they're portrayed yes. yes is as like and i don't even know if it's redneck it's like redneck like kind maybe but also like um it's you Russell know, Case in, in, cons- in Independence cons- Day. Yeah, yes, or like exactly, yeah. weird hippie like yes. types or, you know, right. whatever. See, although I think that as far as New Yorkers go, Streber and his wife in this film, they are probably kind of on the like, sure, they're in publishing, but they're both they seem kind of weird, like maybe sure. like. Yeah, late but I 80s think it's New York. You see how they sleep. Yeah. That's, really so, to her. that's so bizarre. I was thinking about like I liked it. Do you sleep <laughs> that way? Do you and Lee sleep like that? No, and I could never, but I like the idea. <laughs> it was but, like Christopher ins- Walken is a New Yorker. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh. Well, yeah. And I, so yeah, I guess I, I feel like, you know, who's an elite? Who's like who's like the stereotypical elite um guy? I don't know. Je- uh not Jeff Bezos. Lena Dunham. There you go. Like these would probably be people that were like, oh, he writes horror novels. Like what a joke, you know, that kind of thing. But you're I think you're also right that this is definitely set apart from your average, you know, a farmer finds his cattle mutilated type of story, mm-hmm. um, which is. Yeah. But well, so. Um, let me I've got a lot of notes. Let me see. Me too. Um. Let me do a little bit of like not quite about the film notes that I have, and then we can keep talking about the movie. Um, so uh, Whitley Strieber, he started off in advertising and then became an author. He wrote a couple of successful horror novels uh, that one of which was uh, The Hunger, one of which was The Wolfen mm. or Wolfen, which they both adapted those into films. I have not seen Wolfen, but we I have seen The Hunger and it's pretty solid. I liked it. 
Um, but uh, he then, so so he was an author, he was struggling, and then he, well, I mean, they were, he was successful. Both of his books were huge. Uh, but then he kind of, I guess, didn't quite have the same success with uh, following novels. And then this is kind of viewed uh, as the next phase of his career when he, he wrote Communion, uh, claiming to have had encounters with these visitors. Uh, Communion was a huge hit. Uh, really? His, yes. Well, the, the film was not. The oh, book okay. was a huge hit. Uh, it sold over it ha, it has sold over uh, two million copies. Um, there was also a follow-up book called Transformation, which this film drew a little bit from his stories in both of those books. Okay. Well, this drew, drew heavily from you know communion, but then also somewhat from transformation. Um, he said Streber said he was not happy with the film adaptation because he felt it took some liberties. Um, the next thing was the film's perform oh actually no a little bit more on streber so i kind of like read into him because i i'm familiar with him uh just because i'm kind of like tuned into like i'm not i'm not like a super crackpot but i do like read a lot about like conspiracies and paranormal stuff online and all this stuff and he i think he took over hosting dreamland after art bell Mm. um and he was a regular guest on like coast to coast back in the day interesting um so, but I read a little bit about it and be like, is this, cause I mean, it's, it's like with Scientology, like with L. Ron Hubbard, it's like you have a science fiction author who one day just says like, actually, this is a religion, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, so it's like, you know, it's like, well, maybe, but the skeptic in me says like, you're a creative person. <laughs> maybe you just created this. So anyhow, he, um, he, things that stood out to me as like maybe red flags for his trustworthiness. Um, he apparently claims to have been at the university of Texas tower shooting, uh, in 1966, um, where the guy just went to the top of the tower and yeah. started mm-hmm. shooting people. Uh, but so he, he, I guess for a while claimed to have been at that, but then he said that it was, he, he was never there, but that I guess he saw it like in a vision or something. And then the way, okay. what, what he described having seen which one of one aspect of which was that he saw a boy on a bicycle who got shot like right in front of him and there was no boy on a bicycle that got shot that day. So it's just kind of like, well, that's weird. Like that's, you know, if like I had a friend who did that, I would be like, well, you know, Larry's kind of not trustworthy perhaps. Um, but, uh, but he did, I mean, he, he was in the area, but he wasn't like on the campus that day is what, what came out. So, um, he wrote a book in 2010 about the the year 2012 and its connection to the book of revelations, which we all remember 2012. There was kind of the joke that it was the end of the Mayan calendar. Mm-hmm. It was going to be the end of the world. Um, so that seems opportunistic to me to, uh, I, I believe it was supposed to be a nonfiction book um, of some kind, like theorizing, not necessarily saying the world will end, but I just, that felt like, you know, kind of a cash in perhaps. Um Anyhow, so that was, those were a few of the flags I found about Strieber's character and that I think would be relevant into assessing like the story in communion. Is this a true story or like, is this just like an otherwise perfectly normal man, you know, has this weird experience or is this kind of like maybe a little weird, you know, maybe a little fictional. Um, but then uh, with regard to the film's performance, uh, it had a very short run from what I could find. It was only in theaters for two weeks. Oh, wow. And it was in a very small number of theaters. Um, and uh, that's interesting. If you look at the... Christopher Walken was, you know, he had Deer Hunter, Dead Zone. I mean, he was yeah. not like, I mean, I don't think Christopher Walken's ever been like a huge movie star, but he's had a presence and it definitely had 1989. He did. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought it was kind of odd, too. And I mean, the film does not feel I couldn't find what the budget was, but it does not feel cheap. Like it feels like a well-produced film of the time. Um, yeah, there there are things about it that make me think of TV movies. Uh, obviously, okay. the sound was really bad. The sound was awful. There okay. was there was portion like did you you I assume you noticed Kit that when they would go from a close up to a wide it was just like oh we're standing in a bathroom now. Yes. <laughs> it drove me absolutely wild. Yeah, like the scenes at the beginning where there it's a lot of like just them around their apartment talking to each other. I was like. It sounded like shit. Yeah, it did. It sounded like a bathroom. Exactly. Interesting. I didn't even notice that. Um, so, so basically it what, out- what it basically when you're shooting a scene, you, the idea is to get the microphone as close to the mouth as possible. Right. So uh-huh. in a close up, you can put it right outside the camera frame. I mean, you could literally have it right here. And if the camera's positioned in the right way, you won't see it. And right. with a wide shot, you can't you can't get it as close. So you would typically solve that by having like, in addition to the the shotgun mic, you would use like a lapel mic or you would fix it with ADR or something like that. They just didn't do that. So in some, in, in, in a way it's like, oh, it's kind of cool that they, all of the audio in this movie was captured on set at the time. Like, cause, yeah. cause if they did ADR, like there's, I just, I, I have, I believe that if they allowed the audio to sound like that in any portion of the movie, then that means they never did ADR. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, so probably lower budget, but I still felt like it looked like a pretty pretty good production. Just it, yeah, at least in terms of like the sets and and like you said, Walkins in it. Yeah, there were some good the shots. Performances make it feel high quality too. That like yeah. they that both her and him like have moments of like really really nice acting i think that also makes it feel like a higher (laughs) budget movie yeah um so then the okay so it came out in a small number of theaters about 240 theaters the week it came out it was like it it debuted at 16th and there like there was not a lot of like like all of the movies that almost all of the movies that were ahead of it were like i've never heard of that or like that's just like a very forgotten film but then the following week several other movies opened up and uh like little mermaid and uh harlem nights and a bunch of other stuff so like uh it did not open against tough competition and it still fared pretty poorly um and then uh let's see here so yeah it moved up in its second week to 14th but it made less than half of what i had the previous week um i looked into some reviews so janet maslin in the new york times uh, her review was mocking and very negative uh but then i read the view, review from the la times which was kevin thomas and it was surprisingly positive and he really liked christopher walken and if walken wasn't in this movie i really don't think i would have liked it nearly as much yeah so and Walken's gonna walk in, so right. I don't know why well, yeah. you, you would anticipate that with casting that he's not gonna read your fucking script. <laughs> so, like my first thoughts with Walken as the movie's starting, I was like, like if if they're going for a close encounters type of thing, then Walken was a horrible choice because mm-hmm. he just makes it all kind of weird. But if they, I mean, with, with regardless of what they were going for, who knows what what they wanted? But like, I think him being weird. I think you had said this earlier that makes the whole family unit feel actually real. believable and real yeah. because it's like, Hey, it's just a, he's a strange guy and they all, they, they all clearly get along and love each other and they're just a little offbeat, but I like it on, makes it. 
I thought they had real chemistry too and seemed like they would be a real married couple and it made yes. you because she she wasn't as weird but she clearly like at the beginning of the film appreciates his humor and how strange he is and they have a similarly very playful nature with their son like I was on board from the moment that I was a little skeptical when it was just walking in the apartment like doing whatever he, his writing or whatever and talking to himself yeah. but then as soon as they came home and he said to his kid something wrong with you give me a kiss like yeah. I was like I understand <laughs> this man and this and this couple they feel very New York they feel very you know artsy fartsy types they treat their kid like he's a little adult yeah um and it made you more sad when it starts to fall apart because you're yeah. like oh they were such a cute fun family and now this horrible thing has happened and they're losing that yeah and, so that the, yeah the, that was the next thing i was going to say about walking is once i settled into like this is who this guy is there were moments when what it's a close-up on him reacting i think to like something that's happening in the abduction or there's like an inflection in his voice where he's clearly afraid uh mm -hmm. or like like on you know when they're when they're doing a close-up where you can see like he's scared or he's like truly confused but mm -hmm. it's like because he's a weird guy i guess maybe it made him more sympathetic or just i guess i don't know because they had kind of established this feeling of them being real when he would emote like that like i was yes. kind of with him uh for a lot of these scenes and totally yeah so it was yeah i agree if if walken was not in this this would be a much much lesser and film i think i think that that's the principal reason why i wish this would have kind of stuck to being a horror movie because the the horror of the aliens you know could be great but it pales in comparison to the horror of like because I just I imagine that's what it would be like if you were starting to like develop some kind of like late onset mental illness mm -hmm. that you might be kind of aware that something is happening to you. Yeah. Like and he plays that really well. I think that feeling of like, like you say, you can tell he's scared even if he's saying he's not. You can tell he's wondering about his own sanity. Um, and it's so tragic and frightening um yeah. and like you know i don't know if people forget this but like christopher walken's a really fucking good actor <laughs> yeah um and i think he does a great job in this movie and it's not just like when christopher walken is in like click or whatever and he's just being weird that's great too he's the best part of that movie <laughs> as well and that's really just like pure you know, you're walking, walking, doing whatever he wants. But this is really walking like in more, more akin to deer hunter or something. Mm -hmm. And he's great. He's, he's, he's great in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So let's I was see trying here. to think of a, a walking joke. Like, uh, uh, click is like a walk in the clouds. Oh God! <laughs> we'll we'll come back to Andrew. I, in a I'm working on it. <laughs> My favorite walking joke is more cowbell. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Classic. Fuck you guys. <laughs> There's something here, and I'm gonna find it. He held this watch up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't do a good walking, but you know. 
Uh, all right, let's see here. So Lee sometimes I, will uh, do a good walk in, but then if I ask him to do it again, he can't. Lee does sometimes, but then if I'm like, "Oh, that was good, do it again," and he can't do it again. Interesting. He does that huh. with a couple of impressions where he'll do it once, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that was so good," and then it's gone forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like almost anything that I can do well, that's the case. I can't ever replicate it. It's just kind of a an act. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, one of my notes was uh, that the first time that the alien uh, peeks out from behind the the cabinet or the um, the wardrobe, that scares me because that's what, as a child, I was just always afraid, yeah. like that there oh, was like yeah. a little guy like around the corner. So I thought that was cool. Um, and as Kit mentioned, the weird like toy robot thing that just kind of comes flying that at him. That was great. So creepy. Like it really shouldn't be. It should probably make you laugh or like roll your eyes or something. But it was just like. It was um, way scarier than the aliens. <laughs> It was scary. Yeah. Even I, I think the first alien, though, like when it peeks around and it just looks like they're kind of like the big owl face, like eyes and stuff. When you creepy. when you barely see anything, it it's fine. But when they're just <laughs> standing there, it's like Jesus. And yeah. like now, well, you know, they're just like floating in midair and kind of wiggling their arms and they don't mm-hmm. look real at all. They look like, you know, like when they're on the ship and they're just kind of in there in the background. Like I'm talking about the yeah. tall. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, but they I don't mean, look good or scary. But they're a shell. What we learn by the end of the movie is that, well, learn whatever that means for this right. film. But like, they look shitty for a reason. Right. Which is interesting. So it's like, yeah, that kind of yeah. works. It just like the rest of the movie, I was like, good Lord, these look terrible. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's strange. I also I noted so this guy has a video camera with him all the time, but never uses it. I don't understand what him. the video camera was for. Why does he film himself? Is that just I don't how know. He, his writing process? I, yeah, I guess it was part of his process, but I didn't understand how it was helping. I there. couldn't follow. Yeah. Um, so but I noted it does, that it does have it. There's a parallel to it because when he's talking to the alien at his at the end, who is just, who is himself? Yeah he spends his whole day doing that. So Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. A good point. Um, the uh, So the the clues I had that he he was having a mental breakdown where there's the Halloween party where he freaks out at mm-hmm. the girl who pops out from behind the pumpkin. Uh, there's the lady on the bus where he envisions her with, like, the whole bus. Everybody's got insect heads. That was fun. Um, yeah, and then he talks about passing it on to his kid, which that's what I was like. It's so weird, like this line between it's just him going crazy versus this is an experience that all of these other people have had. It just feels like a case of the movie not totally knowing what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which Which, is, you know, it's strange. It's strange to see that in a way that feels. I don't know, because this almost feels like everything is intentioned. Yeah. But then I can't figure out how it. Like it, it feels like it should make sense. It doesn't right. feel it doesn't feel as like haphazard as a lot of movies that are too many things. Um, but yeah, it's it's very strange because it's like it feels like there should be an explanation. It should all of these things should tie together in some way, yeah. and then they just don't. I yeah, think I it's okay for the movie for the audience to experience the movie as ambiguous for the audience to go, Hmm, was he crazy? Were there really aliens? But I think everyone involved in the movie has to make a choice about what they think. Like the director has to think this is aliens. I'm going to present this in a way that is ambiguous, but 
I, for one, think it was aliens. And Christopher right. Walken has to go, this guy's crazy. Right. It's not really aliens. And it felt like, at least from a directorial and maybe like a script perspective, those people didn't decide what they actually thought. Yeah. yeah. That they just flipped back and forth from what they were, between what they were portraying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this isn't, and it isn't even like, you know, Deckard is a le- is is or isn't a replicant sort of thing where it's like we can all talk about it because it's like there's evidence exactly. there's evidence for both things but here it's like there's evidence here that's it, but the evidence isn't for or against one thing it's all it's all at odds with something else in the movie I believe though that yeah. like Harrison Ford played Deckard having made a decision about what he was Absolutely and I think him and Ridley Scott had different opinions Disagree yeah, and that's and fine. like that can work. Yeah, that's fine. But everybody involved needs to decide what they think it is and then play it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it doesn't really feel like that in this movie. Yeah. Um, which is which is strange for a for a process as collaborative as movie making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange to not have these conversations. Um. So I got the white Christmas line, which I thought was weird. Uh, so I wrote down. So there's yeah. So these are either aliens, like some kind of shadow creatures or interdimensional enti- uh, interdimensional entities or hallucinations. Uh, I said kind of like I talked about earlier, like it's like a dream where his brain is pulling these things together mm. in creating this episode. But like he's awake. So like that's why it looks like a toy robot or that's why they look like the aliens from like you know, Star uh, Star Wars or whatever. Um, sorry, I'm kind of just going through my notes. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do. The final encounter is the most bizarre. It's not menacing. And then it still kind of is when he's like, like it, it feels like he's like really like, like when he's talking to him, his magician self, like he's like really, um, because he's just like, we'll never let you see who we are. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, it feels kind of menacing at that point. But it's gone from just like all these little Jawas like dancing to that, and you're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm like scared or confused or angry Turned or what. Turned on. But um, let's see here. Oh yeah, so I talked about like there would also be like if you discount the tale, like his sons kind of corroborating this, and then that other couple corroborating it, like there were just the hints that. uh this was possible like the, the the therapist that puts him under who hypnotizes him mm-hmm. like so there's the thing with her finger kind of matching up with like the wand yeah. of the alien but then also like her office has like weird face statues all around so like maybe he just went into some hypnotic state where he wasn't actually remembering anything he just was like like and there were these freaky face you know tiki monsters yeah. there and it's like well there's a statue like of that three feet over there I, I have to say so I think the first scene was in her office and I was like because, okay, so here's what I'll say. The couple's, the walk-in's apartment, I was like, these people have bomb-ass furniture, but yeah. the worst art in the world. It was hideous. <laughs> there was that thing in their kitchen that was just like a ceramic plate of food that I don't know if it was supposed to look like phallic or what, but it was hideous. And then we go to this lady's office, and I was like, oh, my God, finally, my queen. By the way, Bunny McDougal from Sex and the City. I don't know if Denise watched this with you, but um, that was cool to see her again. That lady's cool. Mm. Um, 
But her office, I was like, oh, my God, finally some good art. This is gorgeous. And then they went to her apartment, and I fucking fell out. That shit <laughs> was so beautiful. She has the best art. And then in the next scene, she also has, like, these a collection of miniature chairs. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love this woman. So that, <laughs> it's actually a, that apartment is one of the prettiest apartments I can think of from from movies. It's It's really... I would. I loved her taste. It was so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was really fun. That lady had the coolest shit. But yes, it did include a lot of like African masks that look that have those alien little gray men kind of proportions to them. Yeah. Yeah. So like he could have just been having some sort of weird. Well, thing and even point all that in. Even the couple that corroborates his story, they show you later what the like security light that goes on outside the house looks like right and it's like okay yeah that definitely could have been what they were seeing yeah exactly and they never i don't think anybody in the movie pitched that it's like are you sure like the lights didn't come on and they're like no it was definitely not that like i think walken well walken says the moon i think and he might have said something about the security light but they're just like no it wasn't that but i mean all that shit's cool that is cool because i do think that's how this stuff happens is that like my yeah. experience of it was just like there no there's no way it was a light and it definitely could have been but you can't get me to believe <laughs> right that that's what it was yeah okay well i think that is <laughs> most of my notes i have notes okay cool um lindsey Krauss, the wife she was a professor maggie walsh on buffy um, yes that's yes. who that was She's yes. also in The Arrival. I don't know. Andrew's yes. a fan of that one. She was yeah. in The Arrival. Okay, cool. She's also a judge on SVU. Um, okay. That's cool. Or used to be. Um, Andreas Katsoulas, I think that's how you say his name, is the one-armed man yeah. uh, in The Fugitive. And I didn't trust him um, in this either. <laughs> uh, the Eric Clapton score makes me want to die. I hate it. Um, he did Lethal Weapon 2, right? And I also hate that. He, he also did, he did all the Lethal Weapons. Yeah, I meant he did Lethal Weapon as well, but he, uh, okay, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of my notes is uh, this family loves hats. They sure do. Um, yeah, they wore a lot of hats. <laughs> I thought that the the shot of the house on Christmas through the pine trees was really pretty. Yeah. Um, but it was weird that it started out still and then the camera started to move. And I was yeah. like, are they trying to give a sense of something watching them? But then I was like, well, if the camera just moved the whole time, you might get even more of a sense that it was someone watching as opposed to a camera. It felt yeah. like um, they just they just it felt like they just used the take before it started. Right. Because like, yes, you'd, 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 right. You'd hit, exactly. Yeah. It seemed like and action. And then <laughs> it starts <laughs> exactly. to move. Um, let me see. Um lot of notes about the analyst apartment oh i was also like oh my god it would be so nice if someone could put me to sleep like that every night by just going and sleep one sleep two (laughs) or something like that whatever she was saying um i also liked how walken and his wife played hypnotized because to me that was more like what hypnotized people are actually like i mean there was a little something missing from the breathing because like the the to me, the thing that like differentiates hypnotized people is like I think for one, they usually have their eyes closed and they're like taking like really deep breaths the whole time. But for the most part, they just talk normally. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool that they didn't like, you know, majorly dramatize that in any way. Um, um, I thought it was cool. I thought all the parallels between his flashbacks and 
things he had seen, you know, things he could have seen elsewhere. That was really cool. Um, and that the movie kind of forces us, to, we don't get to see things until he's kind of remembering them. Like the movie is just fine with us, like not having information that we will have later because it's just, we're kind of, we experience, th- experience things as he experiences them. Um, I thought on the bus scene, I was like, oh, this is exactly Captain Marvel, basically. <laughs> hmm. Um it was very similar, um, and the, we didn't mention, but like the epilepsy test being exactly like the probe, that was interesting. Um, I've been noticing more and more in movies or TV when people cut away from conversations that I would really have liked to hear the end of, like when Walking Sun is saying, um, he like Walking Sun starts talking about alien doctors, um, and Walking just like takes a sip of his tea, and then we like go to the next scene and it's like yeah. that's a very common thing in movies but it's like wait how did he get out of that yeah <laughs> like, yeah like, what did he do with that <laughs> um i thought it was very funny that we got like three dolly zooms like one is good enough for jaws but like <laughs> for this movie we need like three in one scene um Let's see. Um, I find it unlike. So one of the better pieces of evidence for the fact that he's this is a psychotic break as opposed to an abduction is I find it very suspicious that an advanced alien species wouldn't have better ways to fuck with our minds than uh, spinning a spiral. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like what the hell is like, okay. Well, their spaceship Um, was kind of shitty. So maybe these are like. It was. Yeah. Not that advanced aliens is what I'm thinking um let's see that might be it oh i loved that black coat that his wife had with like the giant attached scarf that was really cool she kind of dressed like a witch the entire time i liked that um um the last the last thing i have is just um when he goes the final time that he goes and meets with the aliens when he started like when the alien went like you know, put his thumb on his nose and wiggled his fingers and then they high fived. And like when he when the alien wiggled his fingers, I went, Jesus Christ, they fucking blew it. That's yeah. my <laughs> that was my note. And then they high fived and then they started dancing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah, I feel like I felt the same way. But then I felt like they kind of pulled it back around by getting a little spooky again. But I felt the same way. I was like, what? Like this totally ruins Almost the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Like if this is the ending. I had one more note that I forgot to read earlier. Then we can get to Andrew. If you had one. Or if you had some. Uh, So Felipe Mora also directed one of Kit's favorite movies. He directed The Howling 2 and Howling 3. (laughs) Wow. Are you kidding? Yeah. So he's the guy who was just like uh, show her boobs 50 times? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That was him. Um, And he also directed a film called Pterodactyl Woman from Beverly Hills. Starring... Beverly D'Angelo, which I had never heard of. It was a trauma film, though, and those are always shitty. So the premise. You, looked did you awesome. look at his IMDb? Yeah. At like yeah, I did. The like more recent movies he's making that look like they were shot on like an old iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really look. I just kind of went with the ones I recognized the title. So yeah, what is it all like sci-fi stuff or is it like? I don't even know. I just know that like I've never seen it. I mean, I don't want to be like mean or whatever, but it's like. It just looks like he like has friends and they like shoot movies with their phones. Yeah, I do and then love put them on IMDb. 
I do love the idea that we are like grading movies based on which iPhone we think they were shot on. <laughs> <laughs> what a world. So we have passed Lil Stragglers and now it's time for the cruise minute. Oh boy. It's cruising time. So my cruise minute, I'm, I almost never have one. Um, so it's not the story of the week, which okay. everybody's all a Twitter about. But I was listening to uh, the Pure Cinema podcast, which I love and I highly recommend. Um, I've pulled a lot of well, I don't know if I pulled a lot of my movies, but, um, but yeah, yeah, great. I, lots uh, of great recommendations. Don't think I'm going to be passing on another podcast to our listeners. We have enough trouble getting people to listen to this one. So it's net. We're, we're pulling them into our network. You know? Yeah, sure. So, I'm going to get I'm going to say um, don't listen to that podcast. We should listen to this podcast. <laughs> We should have named this podcast Impure Cinema. Ooh, That's that would cool, have been huh? good. That would be a good one. That's yeah, shit. Or okay, like, or like, why did this get made or something? You know, <laughs> really <Yeah>. rope in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who did this get made? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, the oh, so they were talking with Patton Oswalt. Um, this was an episode from like a couple months ago, but he was talking about movies he had been watching during the quarantine, and. Uh, he mentioned Days of Thunder, which I still have not seen. Me neither. But I thought we could do a Tom Cruise triple sometime in the not too distant future where we do our very first. Uh, um, uh, what's our podcast called? Oh, slow motion triple feature <laughs> uh, book club where we could read the book. I think it's called High Octane. Uh, mm-hmm. They they referred to it as something else in the episode and I forgot to look it up, but I think it's called High Octane. But it is a book about the making of. Uh, days of thunder and one of the anecdotes he said he pulled from the book uh pat Oswalt did was that um during the filming of days of thunder the producer don simpson was like adamant that he like get a role in the film and um he played this like weird like leather clad like racer that they were up against do you know what i'm talking about andrew i don't i mean i've seen that movie but this, okay. this sounds awesome so apparently he like insisted on being in the film and don simpson was just like a totally bizarre like yeah. you know basically like the 80s hollywood producer that everybody and had like, a ton of power about. yes and anyways so tom cruise talked to tony scott the director of the film and he said shoot all of this uh, allegedly he said shoot all of this poorly so that we have an excuse to cut it out later because like this is just awful <laughs> so don simpson like insisted on being woven into this movie somehow and then i guess tom cruise and tony scott like decided like love it don't don't make make fuck this footage up so that Don Simpson is not able to uh, work his way <laughs> into the film, which I thought was funny. So anyways, we could we could watch that along with, mm-hmm. you know, some two other Tom Cruises and then we could do the book club and find any Tom anecdotes. That's so relatable um, because I can think of so many times that like somebody wanted me to shoot something that was just like so stupid and terrible. And their justification yeah. <laughs> was just like, let's just shoot it. And if it doesn't work then we'll cut it out. And in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make sure that it doesn't, that it looks stupid. Oh, it shit, work. I left the lens cap on. Yeah, exactly. The what? The lens cap. I, oh, yeah. I shot, I shot a video two years ago and there was this like super egotistical, just piece of shit. And he wanted a shot it's hard to give enough context for this to make even a lick of sense but basically he wanted a shot of himself like speeding away in a sports car at the end and he was gonna like pull up to the camera and do something and then he's gonna like peel out and drive away and i remember (laughs) this guy was a huge prick 
<laughs> I hated him so much. And we went out, and this was after 16 hours of shooting or something like that. And we go out to shoot this shot, and I just never hit record. And I let him do it like three times. <gasps> and then I remember he asked me about it like six weeks later. And it was just, I had to, I had some excuse like ready to go. But I just hated this person so much that I just didn't do it and let him act do his it. way through. Anyway, that was very sad. You know what? That's the Tom Cruise technique that you used. You didn't even know it. That's, that so. is. That's one step further. Yeah. Okay. So that was my cruise minute. Did you guys have cruise minutes this week? I mean, just the big news, I think. I mean, that's that's what's that's that that is what is like actually mainstream news right now. Is that I know. is it's that weird. Tom Cruise is saving movies single handedly. Um, one that he yelled he yelled at the the cast was the news. And like yeah, and like supposedly. some people trying to characterize it as like an infantile movie star uh being a prick. And it's just like I don't think that's it, guy. I mean, look, yeah, going around calling people motherfuckers and stuff. I mean, the dude is like, he's, he's, fl- he's losing his shit. Um, in a way, that's a very, like, when he starts screaming at these dudes and, like, kind of stops making sense and is, like, cussing a lot, it's like, this might be the most human and, like, relatable I've ever seen this person who I, re- yeah. who I would have, who I would have believed was a robot prior to this moment because it's like that's that's what happens when you get mad you start you start you know stammering and trying to like make sense and just being an asshole but at the core of it he's got a very very good point uh and there's this really good section where he i wish i had in front of me so i could read it but there's this really good section where he's yelling at these dudes and he's like basically saying like motherfuckers i'm doing this for you (laughs) yeah and you're undermining that like, this is for your well-being. And he's right. Well, and I think... Anyway. Well, especially, I mean, if, if Tom Cruise gets coronavirus, it's not going to stop him. It, it could probably kill some, like, you know, grip or something. Right. For sure. <laughs> for sure. He's. I think it's worth noting that as much as he's losing it there, he's cursing and he's yelling. He doesn't... He doesn't threaten anybody with anything other than you're going to be fired. Right. Which they are. Yeah. Yeah. They should be threatened And he doesn't, that. like... Like, a lot of people are comparing it to Christian Bale. Bullshit. And Christian Bale was like, I'm going to fucking beat you up. Yeah. Right. He's like, I'm going to break your, I'm going to break your equipment. And, and he, he was like, right. we'll, well, you and I are never working together at, at again. Like, there's some, there, there's something in the conversation between Tom Cruise and these dudes that's like, there's this little hint of, we can come back from this, but you yeah. have to listen to me. So, like, yeah. there, yeah. there is, even though he's losing his shit, there's like, there's a layer underneath of like a father putting his hand on his son's <laughs> shoulder and looking in his eyes and just saying like, we can, we can fix this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's obviously for the benefit of everyone there. I'm not saying that that's necessarily and the best or most appropriate way to act. And I don't want to be like, Oh, no. I'm actually like totally like, I think Tom Cruise knows better than these people who don't make million. It's not that, but it's just like, I do think the tenor of it was very, was Almost like um, like that video that I sent you guys, they were suggesting that he probably called a meeting, made sure everyone was gathered, like then walked in <laughs> and started having like, I don't know if that's what happened. But I'm just saying like there was a calc. I think there was a calculation behind it of like, I want everyone to hear this. Yeah. And I don't- to understand like why we're doing this. 
I don't think it's ever okay to treat your employees the way Tom Cruise treated his employees. However, they like the the movie industry is hanging on by a thread right now and they are working on a razor's edge and every other week they are announcing that some production has started up and stopped after four days of filming because they had another yeah. positive case. Mission Impossible 7 has like essentially built like the NBA bubble or the Avatar bubble. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all living on a fucking boat together. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's... Yeah, I don't know. There's just, there's something, well, I mean, there's well, something, the stakes are incredibly high. Um, and like, and he's ensuring and producing it himself. That's, so that's something like, I do feel like it's justified to talk to your employees like this sometimes. Uh, and like, I wouldn't want to be talked this way by as an employee or something, but like, not only is he, he has millions and millions of dollars at stake in this personally, but like he does stunts in these films where he could actually die. Like his, he, mm-hmm. he literally puts his life in, into these movies, like, which is a little dramatic. Cause I mean, it's, he's not, it's not likely that he's going to die, but like, you know, he puts so much into it that he's just asking people to like stand slightly further apart. And it, it could be like, he probably, or who knows if he even cares about the actual virus, but like the government will shut them down from mm-hmm. even doing this. So regardless of like, you know, it's like, Oh, well masks don't work or just social distancing doesn't work. It's like, that aside like he's trying to run a business and like i mean you know in a way and like the government has put this you know rule on them that if they don't do this then they can get shut down and then he's out you know millions of dollars and they're all out of work and so yeah i feel like you know and who i don't know what the specific incident that, that set it off was so like maybe it was crazy but like yeah i feel like this if anything is going to get people to like listen to you and stop doing this thing that they can't do uh you if you have to yell at them then if it works, I guess it's cool. Anyway, I, think, I, pres- I, think- I presume that also I, the one thing I was thinking about is this is presumably this was sh- taped immediately before it was released. Right. Like, we don't think there was any delay in getting this out. No. Right. And like. What has happened in the last couple of weeks to movies like they have HBO Max has dealt a massive fucking blow yeah. to everyone in the film industry. Um. And, you know, frankly, if we cared about movies as much as we say we do, we probably wouldn't be watching um, Wonder Woman or the Snyder Cut (laughs) or anything. But at least, uh, you know, I think one man who maybe does care about movies that much is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Christopher Nolan also, apparently. Um, And uh, Billy, uh, Denny Villeneuve, people who have like come out mm-hmm. and like been you know very vocal about what a uh terrible thing this is um and i'm you know i wouldn't be su- I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if something like that was also on his mind in his oh, sure. reaction to it yeah that <laughs> you know in some ways like there, there is some truth i think to the idea that like mission impossible is at this point the highest profile movie that's shooting and trying to (laughs) you know be a movie like go to theaters and um be a huge you know action movie and And i absolutely believe that like they are 
you know, the gold standard. And I absolutely believe that that production is the sort of case study for how to make movies. Like I'm, yeah. I told he's, he's, he screams about how he's on the phone with executives and everybody is watching us with a, under a magnifying glass to, you know, to see how this is done. Like we are in the process of saving this industry. Like, I think that that is more truthful than dramatic. And yeah. I think, yeah. and I think it, from listening to the video, which we've talked to for talked about for way longer than a minute, but um, the people, the dudes he's talking to in the in the video, they seem to understand it too. They are like, "Yes, sir." Like, yeah. they a don't want to lose their jobs, but I don't think that somebody who is a tyrant would be able to. I could be wrong. Maybe they're just afraid. But I just feel like if I have a boss who's a huge fucking prick to me constantly and then blows up at me again. And like, I'm probably not, it just sounds to me from the, the, the little bit that we get there, that it's like, this doesn't necessarily mean that Tom Cruise is an asshole like this. And, and that these guys think that like, this yeah. makes me think that they truly are hearing him and truly do feel like they've disappointed their dad. Yeah. Although I wonder how it leaked. I wonder who I would not be part of me i know it's probably not true but like part of me has been fantasizing about this that tom cruise <laughs> knew that it was gonna go out and was okay. okay with it yeah just because i don't know there's everything so like his pr has been ever since couch jump 2005 or whatever it yeah feels like his pr has like been on like mega lockdown like he he doesn't run any of his social media his website is insane uh he's just so much more of like a product than i think he even was before the katie holmes stuff and the oprah stuff okay um so there's something about like this just this does not seem like the type of thing that would happen to tom cruise so either okay. either he was okay with the risk uh of it leaking like he, I just think he knows what he's doing. I, it, it's hard for me to imagine him going into this situation and allowing himself to fly off the handle like that. If he didn't accept that this is, this might go out. And if it does, uh, I think I'm going to still look okay. I yeah. feel like we sound insane, but my, like, okay. because, like, cause I don't know if people like, and this is also going to come out like, I don't know, eight months after this, but. I was thinking like I again. It's making me sound like I'm a crazy person, but I wonder: did the person who released this think it would make him look bad or good? Yeah, that's also because, a good question. Because I think it's a coin. To like I think the reason you would release something like this is like, whoa, Tom Cruise freaked the fuck out. But at the same time, then if you listen to what he's saying, I'm like, isn't this what? I mean, again, yeah, regardless of how you feel about like lockdown or, you know, coronavirus or masks or whatever the 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 measures that are being taken, there's a lot of people whose like full time job now seems to be bitching on social media about how other people are handling yeah. the yes. coronavirus. <laughs> yes. So like, isn't this what you, what those people want right. <laughs> someone to do? Um and so I could see maybe someone being like, this is this is <laughs> this is what we need. We need I, Tom Cruise to go around yelling at people for not, you know, being six feet apart. I feel like so much of like 
comments I've seen on YouTube, on Reddit, on all over the place have been mostly like, mm -hmm, yeah, I think this is okay that he's doing this. Um, yeah. And all of the people who seem to be coming down on him for it, it seems to just like, it, it has something to do with Scientology. Which this doesn't have yeah. anything, to, nothing do to do with, with it. obviously. Right. So it's like, yeah. okay, cool. Right. You know, I wonder how many people are going to listen to our podcast and think that we are a PR arm of the Scientology. Oh, I know. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying is like <laughs> when we talk about Tom Cruise, we sound like we could spin him chopping a baby's head off into like a really super cool thing. <laughs> you know, he'd train, so, he'd train for it for a year. <laughs> should we get paid for this? I guess is what I'm asking. Absolutely. I was wondering about that, too. I was like, oh, I wonder if Scientology will like be deployed to like do damage control. Yeah, for this. Yeah. In I'm way. sure. Yes, I, I probably actually. I'm, I'm sure. Maybe even the comments you're reading on Reddit, Andrew, are Scientology's like. That's true. You know, maybe if we ever get above like five or six downloads a week, and maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Anyhow, that is well above and beyond a cruise minute. So let's wrap it up here. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Oh, please uh, wait, <laughs> uh, Mike. Uh, <laughs> People, they got to know, what are we going to be watching next week? Oh, thank you. I'm glad you asked, Andrew. I almost totally spaced on that. Oh, that'd be, that's a pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, please join us next week for 1953's Invaders from Mars, uh, a film that I am quite fond of and that Andrew and Kit have never seen. And that nope. always works out great. So you know you're in for fun <laughs> next week. Um, yeah, and that's it for us this week. Uh, slow motion triple feature was recorded in a cabin. I didn't actually write this ahead of time. I usually do. Uh, but it was recorded in a peaceful cabin in uh, northern New York where nothing at all unusual happened. So just don't ask us about it. Uh, <laughs> special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you would like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com.